Patreon supporters and welcome to this first installment or well I guess you're not just Patreon supporters you're getting this via audio if you are listening on the podcast channel you are not going to get any of the stuff that goes with it that will only be behind the paywall at Patreon but the idea here is that if you're one of those diehards who are with me to the end of this thing that is until our Lord Jesus comes back and well shuts me up by speaking his word himself right and gives us all what we've so long been waiting for if you're down with sticking around to that point and therefore you've joined up supporting me on Patreon. Well, then I want to I want to give you something back. And I've struggled with this for a while. We've always tied the subscription to the podcast in some way, and that is of course continuing but with a shift in like what is the substance of the primary podcast versus the bonus content and on and on. Well, and, and of course, of course, I would like the bonus content to be some pretty cool individual mm, Theater of the Mind long-form podcast, a.k.a. Dan Carlin-style Bible Hour, right? Uh, Daniel is sitting there in the wings, and I'm I'm one step closer today to comfort with this. And part of that getting there is familiarity with these tools. You know, having been at KFUO Radio where I was, I got used to a certain set of tools for doing some audio editing. And once you get away from the industry standard Adobe, even though it was like an old, outdated edition because I didn't want to up do, uh, up, upgrade the licensing and all this. Uh, when, you're, when you're used to that uh, standard and you have to figure out what to do with a, not even a non-profit level of income, but a personal income level to provide yourself with editing tools for, for audio – uh, it's just it's just a, a, a rat's nest. That's the best way I can describe it. And so uh, relearning how to do this to not be afraid of my computer with, as you know, at the same time, figuring out how to manage what looks to be a lifelong right-hand carpal tunnel injury um, that, I, I, you know, surgery notwithstanding, you know, corona crazy and all this, uh, I just have to acknowledge I'm going to need to not use my hand on a computer the way I used to. And, you know, back to the old Wii TV days, I mean, click, 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 cut, 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 click, click. I mean, now they got software that does this for you for Pete's sake and people are imitating the style of fast and hyperdrive, right? But, uh, but back in the day, that was, that was hours of mouse click work in, in scrolling. And I did so much of that before Peter came on and he did a lot of it too. I have no idea to set his carpal tunnel if he has it or not. But for me, again, writing being a part of this and just life as a, as a, a person growing up with computers, I never thought for a moment that I could injure myself in such a, oh, look at the phone call ring right now. The U.S. is calling me. That's very nice. Um, <laughs> robocall be gone uh ever i never would have imagined as a young man that the game that i was playing with the mouse and the keyboard would eventually sustain what what amounts to a long-term internal bruising of my uh my bone and sinew structure in my right wrist 
that if I, if I'm not careful with it can lead to absolute debilitation of that by the time I'm 60 or 70. And as someone who would like to write at least five to 10 more books before I die, and I think that's fair, a fair assessment sitting at just shy of my 42nd birthday here. I can run for president next year. Everybody, you ready for it? Uh, or was it 40? Is it 40 or 42? Oh, I get confused because you know why? I think. It has to do with when I learned who, how many presidents there were at the time that I was learning that you could be president. I think that has something to do with it. I could be wrong. It's like Reagan's 45 or something like that, right? Anyhow, whatever. I can run for president eventually. It doesn't matter who wants that job. Whatever I'm going to be doing with the word of God on the internet and in a locality as what? As Jonathan Fisk, ordained clergyman of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and pastor of a local place, whatever I'm going to be doing, I'm going to have to be able to use that hand. I want to write more books. I want to do more podcasts, and I've got to find a way to not ruin my body so I can keep doing it. I have the same thought about my voice and my my love of certain things, cigars notwithstanding, you know, is, is something I do think about and and I wonder about. And that, that that talk in my own head ain't over yet. And please, you can refrain from, from throwing the guilt my way. I got plenty on my own. Thank you very much. Um, just tell me you forgive me and it's okay and you'll listen to me, even if I do it via like iPad audio speaker. Hello, I am Rev Fisk and this is my podcast. I don't know. Maybe it'd be that interesting still. You could speed it up. But my point, my point, my point of this is not having a point. My point is this is the bonus cast that is behind the paywall for you at Patreon to try to say thank you to you for joining up on all of this madness. I've been thinking about how to give you a way to get something on a regular basis that is not what everybody else is getting for free. But the, the trick in my head has been, and I said this, I think, in my last post to you just last week. Hold on, I'm going to sip a little lemon juice here. I, I'm not kidding. It's got sweetener in it. Straight lemon juice and stevia. Mmm, and some butter sweet love. Wow, so good. Um, what the whistle, that's for sure. Uh, I was filling you in last week on something that I've now managed to leave in the dust. And no, I'm not talking about the final first serial installment, I hope, of, of my fiction work coming out this Monday in the newsletter. No, no, no. I'm talking about how to encourage people to support on Patreon by giving Patreon subscriber-only bonus content without putting Christianity behind a paywall on the internet. Like, the reason I'm doing any of this at all is my own fame and glory. Of course we all have that kind of thing. So there's the sinner in me that I'm fighting against every day. But beyond that reality, which I know all too well, and the Lord has revealed his mercy to me in this manner— Beyond my own personal vainglory, and don't look down your nose at me like you don't have your own version, the reason I'm doing any of this is because I want somebody who hasn't yet had the weightlifting, burden-lifting, ultimate unleashing and freeing and liberating, conscience-cleansing reality of Jesus poured into your mind through your eyeballs and your nostrils and your ear bones and everything else. I want someone to get that too because that changes the world. So I don't want that behind a paywall. <laughs> you know, that was the problem in the Middle Ages, I think. So how do I reward you, my my friends? My friends, my fans, what do I call you? I, I'm, I'm trying to listen to a book called Fanocracy. Fanocracy. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I've only listened in, in parts. It's had some really fascinating insights, though, so I can recommend it. And it's about trying to understand the new phenomenon of who and how you know who you know on the internet. 
right? So just think of it this way. Like I'm at the Issues Etc. Making the Case conference any given year and you see me and you've met me once before, maybe twice even. And you come up to me and you smile and I recognize your face. So I smile back. I go, oh, I know you have seen you before. Um, but at that moment, we're not really friends. It's kind of impossible for that to be true, at least if we're going to let friend mean what that word should mean for all of us, a very close and intimate acquaintance, uh, an understanding and support. We're not enemies by any stretch of the, uh, either. Um, but, but we're not, we're not friends. We, we are perhaps on borderline acquaintances, right? Uh, so we, we know of each other. So the internet has made acquaintanceship way more common than it used to be, right? So you got that, but then there's this edge where you are far more acquainted with me than I am with you. <laughs> Like, like you, you know, most of my dirty laundry, uh, not, not, not most, but, but, but enough, right? You, you've seen my, my flaws, my quirks, my strengths, my weaknesses. And for whatever reason, you still like me <laughs> uh, enough to come up and say, hi, you know, woe unto you, I suppose. But, but I don't, I don't have any of that insight into you. So how do we define that relationship? What is that? And the only language that the world gives us right now is fan, I hate that. I really do. I don't like the idea of having fans. It makes me feel like one of the Kardashians or something, right? I don't want to be a Kardashian. I, mean, I could use the money and the attention, I suppose. But but aside from that, it sounds like a really awful, boring, drudgerous, and annoying lifestyle. You're going to live uh, – who, who would want any of this? And we all do a little bit because we're all so vain. Yeah, I remember that. But um, the, the word fan, it does have sort of a distasteful thing, right? It's like I'm not in the church, we shouldn't have fans in the church. But then how do we learn as Christians who are in this world that isn't going to change to understand these relationships that we have with people we don't really know? What is it when you know someone only on the internet and they don't really know you and you really like all the stuff they do? Is it okay to feel that way about God's things? To be a fan of the things that are of God that are on the internet? And then if so, why is it not okay to be a fan of the one who brings that as long as you recognize the distinction between the one who brings the thing and the thing itself? I mean, we should really be able to apply this to all of the artists that we may or may not listen to. And I'll give you an example. Um, I'm, a, I'm an avid fan of Eminem, the rapper, as much as I, I actually don't like the guy, I think even a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I've listened to most of his music carefully, but I don't go into the, the corners of his albums, right? So I basically am familiar with everything that ever made the radio that he's ever done. And, and I know it pretty well, enough to have kept four to five of those songs kind of on a permanent playlist, you know, or in my permanent playlist, but four to five of his songs, Business, uh, Monster, uh, River, that's uh, an intense one. Uh, but, but you know, a lot of them, though, uh, I, I just don't, I don't even have them on my phone or in my library anymore. They are uh, abominable, disgusting even to me. And, and then to try to figure out who this guy Eminem is, in between and through all of that, because what I love about the songs I love is that he's me. It's so much of the way he handles pain and his fear of life uh, and his desire to fight back against it and to not just be the whipping boy of his circumstances uh, is, is just gorgeous, is absolutely beautiful. 
and I and I and that way I love the man. I can see him. I can look at him. I mean, he may be glaring back at me, but I can see from what he said. You know, we're fighting the same war in the head, at least a little bit. And and so I love that. And yet I also, you know, the things he said and done, you know, what's true, what's not. Um, his position on things currently, his voice in politics, which is super weird, you know, his treatment of uh, various people groups via vocabulary. You, you can go on and on about how you want to deal with it. I mean, he's not Kid Rock, but he's almost, <laughs> right? So, uh, but I'm a fan of Eminem. And I'm, I'm kind of proud to be. Because as, as messed up as the guy might be, I can have hope for the guy because every bit of his world that I know and live and understand in my own version of it, in my own head, every bit of that can be redeemed by the same blood that redeemed mine. And that's, that's why I like being his fan. I don't think I'll ever get Eminem to listen to my podcast and much less sit down. Let me talk about how I could really fix his world for him. That's not my goal. I mean, if the Lord wants to open up those kinds of doors for the gospel, he will do so. He knows where to find everybody. What I want is, again, to reckon with this kind of new sociology that we have as a um, as a people. And this is a global thing. I think the corona events that have happened in the last couple of weeks have emphasized this. So we are all significantly more interconnected than we realize so much so that even though the world just stopped for what I'm counting now, three weeks, even though the world as as I know, it just kind of stopped for three weeks. I know exactly what's going on. Not so much because I read a newspaper, but because of all the people I get to talk to on a regular basis and I'm in contact with on a regular basis via the internet. In that scenario, whose voice do I listen to most and why? And the answer to that question has every, everything to do with the answer to, that to uh, who am I the greatest fan of? So fandom, interestingly, is also connected to trust. Let me push that back into Eminem. Because I don't trust Eminem just across the board. I'm not going to let him tell me how to vote, that's for sure. Although if he told me how it was in the streets of Detroit, I'd probably believe him as if it were gospel truth. And if I wanted to talk to him about trying to let go of the past and having it harp on you and destroy your future by over over manipulating the emotions of your present, I think he and I could have a great conversation on that. And I'd willing be to listen to him. If he told me this is what I do in that situation, how it helps, I'd probably try to put that into practice and say, I trust you, Eminem, on that. Right? So, so fandom and trust are tied to each other, but it's not a universal reality. It's segmented into the category of the fandom itself. What are you a fan of that person for or insofar as or how far are you a fan of them? So you can't really be a permanent, perfect fan of or a, a permanent fan of all of a person. It's impossible with all of who we are, sinners as we are, the more you know about somebody, the uglier they're going to get. That's just the reality of our nature. The first picture you see is a glossy photo, touched up, everything is, is you know, nice and, and pretty and all that. But then there is an entirely different reality, which is who they are inside. So again, fandom is, is a fascinating little socio 
graphic, what sociological way of trying to understand this. So when you're a fan of somebody, it means you trust them in a corner, in an area, in a, in a region, and you like what you receive in that. And so you trust that continued reality. And so, well, again, how's this all starting? It's me trying to say, how do I reward you who have had such fandom slash trust in me uh, that you've decided to pay me to keep doing this on a number of fronts and through a number of pivots, honestly, like any entrepreneurial business is going to. It's going to pivot and pivot and pivot until it finds something that works, right? Until it finds something that clicks. And I really do think I'm I'm in that sweet spot right now. What 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 we need most, this, you know, reboot of not nonprofit Rev Fisk Internet. Um what it needs most right now is a good year of run at the current regularity. And uh, I'm going to fix something real quick here on my desktop, and then I want I want to talk about that. So I was, cool. So I just took another sip of the that lemon juice. It packs a punch. <laughs> uh, I was looking for something on my YouTube channel. Uh, I think what was I streamed on Sunday morning, like a 15 minute service that we did, just to give an example of of what our services have been. And the family that was there was excited about that. So. Uh, I was on my YouTube app looking for that again later in the day. There was an issue with the upload. My phone wouldn't update or or what have you. And I noticed that on my channel under videos, it showed like so many odd, you know, initial videos. If it was five or I don't remember, seven. And then it said plus 1,000 more. (laughs) I was just like, wow. It, It has been... Um, a long time since a corner studio in Philadelphia in an attic room uh, across the street from St. John Lutheran Church in Springfield you know, outside of Philadelphia since I first pointed a camera at my face and started talking. So actually, really, since I, I – I talked about this somewhere else with someone recently. Uh, since I uh, launched this little radio show – rock and roll punk rock radio show called Worldview Everlasting. It's been a long way. And the number of YouTube videos that are there now still to this day is just kind of a stunning thing. Some, every once in a while, I'll get someone who'll write me, a fan who'll write me and will say, uh, you know, do you remember the video you did on this once upon a time? Can you tell me where that is? And I'm like, not only do I not remember where it is, I do not remember it or anything about it, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> you know, I, I, it just, the, the, the path has been, you know, uh, Clay Shirky in the book, uh, Here Comes Everybody, which I still think is a pretty good book. I should probably reread it. It's probably dated, but he, he really foretold so much of this internet stuff. Uh, and he said that, that the pattern of the future on the internet is filter, no, is publish then filter. So the old pattern was filter then publish. Think of a uh, publishing house. Uh, the writing comes into the publishing house and they clean it up. And they cut out this and they cut out that and this and that and this. And then they eventually put it out. Um, and eventually they'll update. They'll fix what they put out and put out another version of it. He said that's the old printing press model of information. But the new model of information doesn't have time to re, re, you know, go over stuff again. It filters after it's published. So it publishes it and then lets the world filter it out. And Twitter, hello. Um, you know, it's it really is the way even fake news is ultimately working for us these days. But I, I put that just into practice in terms of the way I've treated the YouTube channel, which was just put stuff out every week, just whatever you do. 
put something out. Don't stop. And so when the YouTube channel was kind of in flux and all that other stuff, um, I did the same thing with the podcast. It was like, well, I need somewhere else to go. Here it is. Boom. And just put something out, put something out, put something out. And even then through all of that, there's been better, there's been worse. Uh, I think most of it's been pretty decent in content, but you guys know the roller coaster has been a little bit. Uh, through all of that, it's always been there, right? It's always coming out. And to this day on the YouTube channel where, you know, from behind where I can look at the top videos, while like the top views overall in the last month or last 48 hours is usually one of my recent videos, it's stunning how in the 48 hours and 24 hours, it's almost always out of the top 10, eight to nine of them are old videos still that are still being seen. So that, and that is, that's the capacity power. It's, it's even like the, um, oh, what's the, it's the bell curve. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't think of the, the phrase for the bell curve. There's a way of describing the bell curve as, um, scaling exponentially. It's like a business term. Compounding. Is that what I'm looking for? Uh, the compounding rate of return on content, the more of it you make as a producer in any given corner of the internet is significant. It's significant. And so that's ultimately what I'm going to, what I put my money on in the first place was get it out there and people will find it if it's good enough. And if it's good enough, it'll keep floating higher and you'll get the capacity to put more out there. Um, that was the initial belief. And I put that system back into place now again. Uh, and so now I believe we're really at a point where what the what revfisk.com tm yada yada haha um sonata cat anybody <laughs> uh what it needs most is a good year of run at these saturday morning chill primary podcasts with whatever i happen to throw your way as a bonus cast that week or not with what's going on behind the scenes giving those juices time to really really flow and me checking in with you via the newsletter on mondays if you're up for it you know and and i'm excited to see what comes of this because today what happened was i got to spend some time on dust really for truce and with intentionality and joy in the process of writing which is a is a, it's just a marvelous thing when you can carve that kind of time out uh, and, and then that made me more excited to come and sit down and do this, this very thing here, which may not be what you were looking for this week from the podcast. Okay, fine. But see, this is the, this is the, the grab bag corner anyway. The bonus is the grab bag. And sometimes it's, it's going to be like the big production thing. And sometimes it's going to be me at the, uh, at the computer messing around a little bit with whatever I can find. And then again, you, you Patreon supporters, uh, Check in with where this is released on Patreon. So this will show up in the podcast feed if you just listen to it. But on Patreon, I'm going to give you a special video. Uh, and it, I, I'm not sure what I should – hold on. I do I do know. But I'm, I'm not going to edit for you to figure out what to call it. So you have to be patient. Hold on. Oh, that's right. It has everything to do with Jordan Peterson. So, so, you know, if you, if you follow me the last couple of years, uh, you know, Brian, Wolf Miller and I together are always on the quest for the perfect information system and all this. And Everbook is still a thing for me, but it's not what it was for me. And I don't know where it is for him. We haven't talked about it enough. Somebody asked on Twitter recently. I didn't even have the heart to reply on Twitter and say, I'm sorry. He said, are you guys still doing the Everbook thing? And it's like, the answer is like, well, yeah, I am. I actually have like seven of them now, but they're not really what I thought they were. And they're just a smaller part of something that's significantly bigger that, for lack of a better term at the moment, I'm calling my self-authoring wall. <laughs> 
golly, that sounds nuts, doesn't it? But self-authoring is a phrase I'm pulling out of Jordan Peterson. I'm not a giant Jordan Peterson fan. I, in fact, I barely know him. I've listened a little. Some of it's really awesome. I, I hear from others I trust that he's got a few quirks that you should be wary of as a Christian. But the idea that you can self-direct yourself via true knowledge and the discovery of it and then application of it to what you desire to have your life be as opposed to what you've experienced it being in the past. I think there's really something to that. It's not magic. It's just about self-determination, making decisions, sticking with them, discipline. You can follow Jocko Willink for the same kind of stuff. And that's the reason people are following those guys is because they're men who are teaching men how to be men. Okay. So in that big thing though, and with me and Brian trying to go analog and get away from computers and with my carpal tunnel making it even worse than ever before uh, so that my, my, my efforts to, to try to at least be friends with Evernote – it just ran into again a ton of wrist pain and and stalled out brain trauma as I try to you know it, it, every every time the wrist hurts when I'm writing or messing with the mouse that's a distraction it's like if somebody you know came in and said hello to you in your cubicle for a moment right and so every time that happens there's a little bit of energy that's lost as you try to get your brain back from the pain to the idea you were typing or to the word you were writing or to whatever else information work you were doing and over the course of five hours or so as that pain mounts those distractions distractions, your, your mental weariness and effectively decision fatigue make it harder to get back to it. So you end up in this brain fog of carpal tunnel syndrome <laughs> late, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and you didn't even have any sugar for lunch, you know, uh, and you've already had your coffee for the day, but maybe you can get that, you know, that, that three o'clock coffee does come around every so often for me. Um, but, 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 but my, the point in all of that uh, is that for you Patreon peoples, and there's going to be a little video I'm going to release today where I'm going to show you some of what this self-authoring wall looks like. I, I haven't purged it for private information, so I'm probably not going to show you all of it. But it's a, it's, I don't know, it's an experiment in progress in how when I realized that my attempt to keep my life in a single ever book was spilling out onto on, everywhere in just a, a mess of papers bigger than before. Um, and, and, and as my desk was being covered with these papers too, I realized I needed my desk to be about 30 jillion times, like 1.21 gigawatts worth of electricity times bigger uh, than it was. And I realized that the largest flat space I have around me are the four corners of my bedroom, right? And so, or, you know, my study, my studio, whatever. And I, I've been treating it like a uh, a hobbyist board of ever book planning and life or whatever. And so this morning, I finally, I knew, I didn't know... We're moving. And so I don't want to do too much before we move in a couple of months to the house we're buying, which I'm super excited about. Um, but, uh, so I, I don't know, you know, I don't want to do too much on these walls. I have to take it all down again, but I need to do some of it so I can keep working. I'm not going to not do nothing for six weeks. So, uh, this morning I finally broke down and then gave over. It's a bad corner. It's like in a bad spot, but I gave over one wall to actually wall and a half to fiction, to dust. And to trying to pull apart, I have so many notes. It's just going to be a, 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 my initial task is to remember what I've already written. Um, and as I pull that apart and make the world, there's a whole glossary this book's going to end up having by the time, by the end of it. So you'll get to see just a glimpse of that and my, the, the inner insanity of my, my workshop, uh, on Patreon today when I release this as well. But meanwhile, it's just been, I am just checking in because I actually like talking to you. Um, and if you like listening, well then, 
that's great. And as if many of you have said to me, the value of all this seems to be that whatever my problem is I'm wrestling with, you have problems too. And just knowing there's someone else out there who's been through some of these same things and is coming at it with a Christian perspective, Christian worldview, founded in Ten Commandment thinking and, and creedal hope, right? And Lord's Prayer believing, uh, that, that that continues to give you purpose. So if this bonus content does that for you, great. If it's just a reason to scoff at me, that's, that's all right, too. I don't mind being a clown. Sometimes I didn't even get to. I'm gonna give you one more thing before I go. <clears throat> more, more, more lemon juice straight to the noggin here. Hold on. Yeehaw. So, one of my ever books that I have now, it's my favorite one. It's my new spell book. And what it is really is just a place to write down and memorize and work on individual words I want to have available at request in my mind to use as honestly counter spells to the devil's lies. And of course they're not spells that they're just truths, right? So I've been writing them down and trying to categorize them on Everbook style pages. I don't have a lot and I've been adding other things I found. So I found in my Lutheran study Bible, a really cool page with like seven collects on it. And it's in the very back, which is like, I'm, I didn't even know it was there. So I just I ripped it out and put it in my, you know, my ever book of spells. Um, but I also have a couple of pages I've torn out of an old, a really old copy of the Lutheran hymnal, like no cover or anything. And so I've pulled out a couple to work on memorizing them. And, and then I'm categorizing them by, uh, by Magic the Gathering colors. So here's my current key code for Magic the Gathering uh, theology color coding, right? For, for all of you who are going to follow me down that rabbit hole, um, it's kind of neat though, because you have, you have five colors, red, black, white, green, and blue, and they all have these various kind of edges to them. And, um, for, for lack of a better explanation, uh, white is that of life, right? Green is that of growth. Uh, fire is that of purging, Blue is that of thought, and then, of course, black is that of death. So how do you categorize all of your Bible verses that you're memorizing, or perhaps your hymn verses you're memorizing in this in this section? Well, here's what I've done. Okay, so, so life, white, uh, the gospel. So anything that would be promissory or focused on the hope of the future or, or would be a, a life-giving, a, a faith-creating spell. For me personally, if I read this verse, my faith is strengthened and I have hope. Well, that's a, that's a white magic spell in my magic the gathering game of so i'm clipping like i'm paper clipping uh magic cards to them too to keep them all together and, and there it is my little mini section of the spell book um and so then growth green for growth this is where um the gospel of of life-giving white brings about a growth in you, a redemption in you that's able to look back as something that before was only for death and you can see it as something to build upon. So growth comes with wisdom and wisdom is a matter of the law and not the law which only kills, right? But but the law which also leads and guides. So I'm using green for, for my law. And then I'm, I'm mixing in this dose of red where the burning, purging fires of martyrdom and prayer and purification and, and zeal and the ever living regeneration. See, that's anything that would be with that. That's what I'm going to throw a red spell with or a red card to. That's what I'm going to get to in a moment. I'm going to read you a hymn verse. 
But, uh, and then, uh, so then what about death, right? What about black? What about decay? Um, the way I saw, and I'm thinking about that, I still haven't quite figured this out yet, is that black is the, the law of condemnation. I don't think you can separate the uses of the law, so that's not what I mean so much, but texts which describe, well, the devil's end. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Is a black spell. It's kind of fun to think about being a black mage as a Christian. If it gets to mean that you're proclaiming death upon demons, like that's kind of a neat little twist, I think. And then finally, um, with the blue spells, would that be your dogmatics, right? So any verse or text that would be, uh, giving you the instruction in the faith, uh, not just growth and wisdom, right? But things like instruction in the mysteries, the two natures of Christ and whatnot, it'd be your blue spell. So in any case, I, I came here today to share with you, along with just talking in general and seeing what came out. That on the back of hymn 263 in TLH, a little flock, fear not the foe, which I, I had plucked out to put in as sort of a <clears throat> an initial war song, focal point song for me personally. It's a song I love. I want to memorize it. Okay, but on the back of it, I discovered this morning, and I, and I made that one as a red. It's a, it's a red spell, right? A little flock for not the foes, but martyrdom. And I think of the great story of Adolphus Gustavus and his his martyrdom for the Lutheran faith uh, to preserve the word in Northern Europe and whatnot. A little flock for not the foe always calls that to mind for me. But on the back of that, I found this morning, and then just go, went ahead and read, and was so excited by it. Uh, is two sixty four? Preserve thy word. Oh, Savior, this one's really good, and I, it's, it's under the Reformation heading. I don't know it very well. I must have sung it. I, I absolutely must have sung it. I don't even know if it's in the Lutheran service book. That's the newer one. It's real good, though. So here we go. I'm just going to share it with you. Preserve thy word, O Savior, to us this latter day, and let thy kingdom flourish. Enlarge thy church, we pray. Keep our faith from failing. Keep hope's bright star aglow. Let lot, sorry, let not from thy word turn us while wandering here below. Preserve, O Lord, thine honor. The bold blasphemer smite. Convince, convert, enlighten the souls in error's night. Reveal thy will, dear Savior, to all who dwell below. Thou, light of all the living, that men thy name may know. Preserve, O Lord, thy Zion, bought dearly with thy blood. Protect what thou hast chosen against the foe's dread brood. Be thou her great defender when dangers gather round. E'en though the earth be crumbling, safe will thy church be found. Preserve, O Lord, thy children. Thine own blessed heritage. Resist, disperse, and scatter those who against thee rage. Let thy commandments guide us. Grant us thy heavenly food. Clothe us in thy rich garments, bought with thy precious blood. There's something there. That one's nice. It, 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 I think it needs some some updating maybe i'm not sure <clears throat> you know i i really 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 want to see what happens um if <laughs> if i get over my fear of singing into a microphone i'm not kidding i i have no desire uh like i said to really um be known for my voice whatsoever uh but like in in these moments 
when I hear these words, right? What I want is I want them in song. And I'm, I'm contemplating like, how do I get myself to just to sing more with my family in the first place? Right. I'm, and I'm not a bad singer. I'm not afraid to sing in church or anything like that. My voice is fine, but it's nothing special either. And I was told, and many of us were, how many of us share these stories? At one point I was told my voice was wrong for something. And I never really forgot that one deep down. Right. And so it impacts the way that, that I think about or approach singing. And, uh, so that's why, you know, at the start of this episode in that little bit from, from sublime, um, I'm putting that there with my voice dubbed into it as a third singer, um, just to counteract my fear of being heard. Right. Uh, why, uh, to what end? Because I want words like these ones that I just read to you to be sung. And if that means, uh, helping us find tools and tricks for singing them, um, and that's the case. And that's what I'm messing with again in my family, uh, trying to figure out how can we sit around together more often and sing and not have it be so rigid, right? And just enjoy it. Like, hey, kid, time to sing. Like, we don't want that. Um, and so, anyhow, that's that's something I continue to wrestle with. You might be a parent who's wrestling with that too. And if so, uh, I would suggest fear of our voices is part of it. Men, particularly. Men are afraid to sing. Men are afraid to sing. We got we got to fight that somehow. How do we fight that? Wrestle, wrestle. There's no ending. There's no conclusion. I'm just talking. It's Thursday afternoon and I've got at least one more good thing to try to do before my family walk comes this afternoon. So, uh, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Look for Saturday morning chill coming with your subscription soon enough. And in the meantime, um, don't wall in the muck. Yeah. Rock on. There's more. Right, 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 right. No doubt the facts have been exaggerated. Yes. Namely, you know, Bobby, I'm just saying, unstoppable force. That's the discourage. Well. Good warning. This ain't a safe space. Compulsory insanity. By going. Yes, completely, utter going. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing mad. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>